DJ and PK, time to welcome in Steve Cleveland. He's on the T-Mobile special guest line. T-Mobile and Sprint coming together to build the best wireless company around. Visit T-Mobile.com for online services and local store availability. Steve, good morning. Good morning. So I understand you have bailed on your beloved Fresno because while spring and fall are nice, winter and summer suck. Well... Yes, we're down at Newport Beach for about <laughs> a kid. nine or ten days. <laughs> and, uh, you know, we've been doing this for about 40 years. And uh, I went to school at UC Irvine, and I, I remember living down at the peninsula, which if anybody's from the Orange County area knows what I'm talking about. And uh, and the rent was like, you know, whatever. I mean, a couple hundred, but this is back in the 70s. You know, you'd rent a place for $1,000 a month and put five or six guys in it and Whatever it rented for for a week is, I mean, uh, for a month is what it would, it would rent for for a week during the summer. So, back in the late seventies, early eighties, we started coming down with just a few of us, and today we've got, uh, oh, we got a lot of us, eleven grandkids, and uh, I have three children, and their spouses, and so it's been fun. Good place to be. It's nice to be in seventy degree weather, <laughs> and uh, <laughs> to not to, to not be dealing with the COVID. I, I, there's no. Apparently, the beaches here, uh, though they're not packed, but uh, everybody's everybody's wearing masks down here, which I was surprised. And uh, they've been behaving themselves, but uh, it's incredible the number of favorite restaurants you go to now that are operating out of their parking lots with tents. <laughs> hmm. So is Fresno 105 degrees right now? Uh, I think it's probably it's been in the 90s. Yeah, it's been in the 90s and hundreds. Uh, so. Uh, this is the time of the year, a good time to get out of there, that's for sure. Yeah. Hopefully I don't go home and all my plants and grass are dead. <laughs> <laughs> so I had an opportunity to watch Jazz play a little bit in, uh, in the t- a couple of practice games, and you just saw Mike Conley be a more aggressive and more assertive offensively, and I'm sure as a coach that's what you want to see. How do you balance somebody being aggressive but not being overly aggressive to the exclusion of his teammates. You know, I thought those conversations that you have to start with, and uh, and I think you're you're typically asking the player a lot of questions rather than um, I mean, you know, what do you, what do you think? What do you think your strengths are? Get them to talk and to kind of visualize what they could do to help this basketball team, and maybe what are the things you're not doing right now? What are the things that uh, you feel like? For us to be better that you could do having those kinds of conversation that narrative is really important because it gives a player confidence and anytime you lose uh you know a guy like Bogdanovich who's averaging 20 a game and you know shooting 50 percent from the floor and 40 percent from the three-point I think everybody understands that somebody's going to have to step up and Mike Connolly's played the game long enough in the league that I, I don't think he's going to be offended I know he was going through some um confidence issues and so forth but oftentimes when people are going through confidence issues it's because they don't understand the role and uh, there's questions and so guys play hesitant i think right now he sees with Bogdanovich out especially that i have to be more than a point guard here i have to be a guy that can score score up the wing i need to be aggressive taking it to the basket and uh, and we talked about this before but i think you're going to see a lot of minutes where mitchell go there Connolly, Ingles, and, and Clarkson are on the floor together. I'm not saying that they're necessarily going to start that way, 
but you're going to see a lot of minutes with them on the floor. So everybody does kind of need to know their role. Steve Cleveland joined us here on 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. So they're playing a lot of uh, young guys, and it looks like a preseason game because even if it's a close game, the last eight or nine minutes, the stars are sitting and, and guys who have been on two-way deals in the G League or whatever, they're getting to play. Is there? Do you think a player who's been in that role can possibly step in going forward here in Orlando, or these are just a few scrimmage minutes and those guys are all going to have to disappear? Or could one guy make the leap at this point? You know, I, I do believe that there'll be a surprise here. I, I don't know who it is. I mean, I watch – I mean, I, I don't really know these guys. In fact, I was watching and listening a little bit over over the weekend, and uh, <clears throat> I don't know a lot about them, but here, here's what could happen. And that and is this, is, is that go back to understanding what roles are, what they're to do, who, who has the most courage to step into a game for two or three minutes. It's hard to play for two or three minutes and come back out and – go back in 10, 12 minutes later. But uh, it, it, someone in this group is going to step up and make a basket or two, is going to make a play or two, and I think at the end is going to differentiate themselves from these other new players. It, it, it won't surprise me to see one of them step up, and uh, all of a sudden they're getting 8, 10, 12 minutes in game because of the circumstances. So, again, it's like, Understanding, you know, if I'm one of the guys, the new guys, I'm talking to the coaching staff, I'm talking to the assistants, what is it you're looking for? What do you want me to do? What what, what would be my role? You know, how can I best help this team? And maybe they've already had all those conversations, but I'd want them to know as a player, if I'm one of those guys, listen, I'm ready. I, I, I want, you know, I want to be in a situation where I can help this team. So those kinds of conversations, uh, I'm, I'm sure, you know, anytime you're new and you're playing with a bunch of veteran players there's some nerves that are going to take place but not probably as much without a crowd there without all the noise with all the craziness uh it's more like a practice and we we players don't tend to get real nervous in practices whether it's a practice game or uh, in a a real practice so uh i can see not just with the jazz but throughout the league some unknown stepping up and playing well because there's not it, does, it won't feel as much pressure without the fans. I mean, there's pressure there. Don't get me wrong. Guys are trying to win games, but for a new young player, for a rookie or a guy that's you know is, has been traded, um, I think there's less pressure now than there ever has been. So Gobert, we know, had wanted the ball more, wanted to be more involved in the offense. Is, in a sense, now is he putting himself on notice now that that's gone public? Yeah, he has, and I think that, uh, you know, based upon, you know, the second game, you know, obviously he, he got good looks at the rim. Let, let, let's not kid ourselves here. I mean, he's he's got to score at the rim. He's got to score in pick and rolls. You know, for him to all of a sudden start taking 10, 12, 14-foot jump shots on the baseline and doing things that he may think he can do and he has the potential to do, this is not the time to start experimenting with new places on the floor to shoot the basketball. Uh, do what you do, you know, get up there and whether it's a side ball, high ball, side ball screen or a high ball screen, run, sprint to your spot, look for the lob. They did that more effectively the second game. Um, they, they can, uh, this, this is a team that needs Gobert to play well. I, I, for, for them to progress. And even if it means taking a little bit away from Mitchell in terms of what he does, because 
I think Conley feels comfortable where he's at. I think Clarkson's very comfortable with the at. Joe Ingles is very comfortable. I think Donovan Mitchell's going to have the ball in his hands a lot, and anything he can do to, to get the big fella around the rim is going to be helpful to this team, staying there and playing a little bit longer than they might. Uh, can they? I'm just saying they can beat better teams if Rudy Gobert is scoring 18 or 20 points. If Gobert's going for eight, nine, getting his 15 rebounds, I don't, I don't think they'll be as good. So they've really, really got to get Gobert involved. And when I say involved, that doesn't mean he's posting up down there and we're giving him ball fakes and keep counting it inside to him. He's got to score in a way he's most effective, and that's at the rim. And don't try to be anything else right now. I mean, there may be a day in his career that he ends up turning around and can, you know, drop step or face up and, and shoot a 14-foot jump shot. But I'm, I'm not seeing that consistently. He needs to be at the rim and everything they do, especially when Donovan Mitchell can break down people. And I don't think there's anybody Donovan Mitchell can't break down off the dribble. And as soon as he does and help comes, you know, Gobert should be there. And if he's not somebody, if they're packing it in, then one of those shooters will be open. So um, really important for Gobert to be a part of this offense, not in the sense that uh, he's got to get more shots. He just needs to run the system. It'll open up the things for everybody. So Gobert and PK and I have discussed this multiple times. If he's going to be twenty point fifteen rebound guy, which would make him a big star in the league, which I think he desperately wants to be, and his credit, he wants to get those stats while his team wins. He wants both things. But if he's going to get there, I think he's got to crush it even more on the offensive boards than he already does. Do you think he's capable of that? I know it takes a lot of energy and it's a lot to ask in a long grind of an NBA season, but this is more of a sprint than a grind. How much better can he be on the offensive boards? How many points can he go get for himself on second shots? No, I think that that is a great insight because those are just there. They're hanging around, you know, and he, and he has to be more physical. But there, you know, and sometimes with that comes some, a few over-the-back fouls or those kinds of things. But if he could pick up six to eight points a game on offensive rebounds, he's around there, he's the biggest guy on the floor, he's the longest guy on the floor, <clears throat> that mindset is going to get him to 20 or 22 points much quicker than if he's just getting them off pick and rolls or free throws or those circumstances. So, no, I, I think that's a great thought. And, and it's something that probably the coaching staff has talked to him about and, and having those conversations. If they haven't, they should uh, because it's another opportunity – for him, not from a selfish perspective, but, hey, you, let me show you the ways you can really, really help our basketball team win. You know, we, we want to upset some people here. And I, I know they're having these conversations. I, I can't believe they wouldn't be. I mean, you're having conversations with every guy and what his role is and what he can do, and then asking him, what do you think? Can, I mean, you, you're not having that really open dialogue. You don't, you're not going to get better. And for Rudy Gobert... Uh, whether it's at the rim on pick and rolls, whether it's offensive rebounds where probably he, he could be better at uh, making free throws, those kind of circumstances, uh, get him to that elevation of 20 and 15 that not only helps himself personally down the road, but helps the team. So, yeah, I, I think it's another way that he can help this basketball team by being aggressively. And, and the other thing is this. I mean, they're playing small a lot. And it will be more difficult at times. When they're playing small a lot, uh, you know, rebounds are going to be longer and farther away because the ball's being shot from 22, 24, 25, 27 feet. He's going to have to rebound out of his area. He can't just stand around the rim. 
He's got to be really active uh, and rebound out of his area. That's what great rebounders do. They rebound out of their area. That means you've got to be aggressive. It might also mean that he plays a few less minutes because there's going to be a little more of a fatigue factor. But at the end of the day, to, to be a great offensive rebounder, you've got to be able to rebound out of your area. You've got to go to the ball and snatch it and then take that thing back up strong. We hear in football, we talk. We hear them talk about how they scripted the first 10 to 15 plays. Do you ever do that offensively in basketball? Oh, yeah. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. It wouldn't be 10 to 15 plays, but in my mind, I would have 10 to 15 plays. You know, and I, have, I had a little three-by-five card, and uh, we would have already gone through that in practice and pregame. Here's, here's what we're going to do, the first three possessions and the first four possessions. This is what we want to do, and I'd, I'd try to get the ball to guys in certain places and certain situations because I knew that when certain guys in the team scored early, their, their, their mindset got different. I mean, they had more confidence, and so I, I didn't necessarily want all my guys for their first shot to be a three-point shot. I'd rather have them get to the free-throw line, get to the rim, get fouled, get relaxed, make the first two shots. You take two free-throws or one free-throw. So, yeah, I did that with all of the players – and, and I think that not everybody needed to get a shot in the first two or three minutes. But there were certain players that I'd want to get off, whether it was an isolation situation. Because if you have streaky shooters, you have guys that are, you know, 29 to 33% shooters who are, you've watched make five or six in a row in a game and then miss that many in a row, the basket looks bigger once you've made a layup. I know as a player, I tried to make get to the free throw line, make a layup, especially if my, you know, let's say you get wide open trees and you miss two of them. It, the idea that I'm going to keep taking that shot, I wouldn't take. And I wouldn't, I, for a player too, I said, get to the free throw line, get to the place where, you know, get to get a layup, whatever, but get to the place where that basket looks twice as big as it is. And, and sometimes, especially when you go on the road, scoring inside, scoring early, uh, it, it just relaxes you. And, and and it just it puts you in a completely different mindset. So, yeah, I would script players all the time. And then, you, you know, you've got a lot of things scripted from sideline out of bounds, baseline out of bounds, so, you know, all the shot clock. Thing. Everything you do in practice the last 15, 20 minutes usually is game preparation. You know, it's time and score. Um, you know, there's 30 seconds. We've got the ball at half court. Those are things that repetition, repetition, repetition that you've gone through. And guys know who's supposed to get the shot. And that, that's really important. Who's supposed to get this shot? So, you know, and good players will recognize if a double team comes, they'll, they'll throw out of it and someone else will get the shot. But it needs to be really clear who, who you know, we're running this to do this. And this is how this is going to, this is what this is going to look like. Now, teams have, you know, a defensive strategy, and sometimes they take that stuff away. But we always started games that way. And the same thing with out-of-bounds plays. We try to get certain guys. So I think every every coach does that to a, at a different level. But I, it was really important for me. And I wasn't – you know, we, we would run and push it. I had great guards in high school and junior college and at a Division One level. So I think people, if they were to evaluate me, would say, well, he – he did a lot of stuff in the half court. They ran, you know, sent some quick hitters. And I did do a lot of that because that's kind of who I was. And so my teams took on that personality as well. It didn't mean we weren't going to push the ball or get that, try to get the ball down in two or three seconds and get the best available shot. But, you know, I was, I was a guy who tried to find the strengths of my players and team, you know, the teammates 
and, and use them at different times in the game. But certainly early on, um, I, you know, I, I had a couple guys that just struggled if they missed early shots and they lost their confidence. So I tried to get, I tried to get them confident real early in the game so that basket looked really big. How, how concerned should the Clippers be that they got five players who are not in the bubble or are in the bubble and are quarantined? Well, um, I guess Patrick Beverly's back. <laughs> Lou Williams. Oh, boy. That, uh, that wasn't good. I mean, I, I kind of believe Lou. It probably is one of his favorite restaurants. And I, I don't think he was up to doing crazy things. But just the, the, some of the choices some of the guys are making. Uh, they'll, they'll really mean – I don't know if Harrell will be back, how soon he's going to be back. But there are some questions. And, you know, you're talking about a team. Paul was hurt a lot this year. Um, you know, the, the guys took a lot of games off. And, and Kawhi had games off. They haven't had that chemistry uh, that we saw early in the season because guys have been hurt and now we got bubble issues. So it's going to really – it's going uh, to take Doc's best effort to get these guys on the same page. However, that being said, the probably most competitive group of guys collectively, probably in the NBA when they're all together and they're healthy. Um, and, you know, it'll be interesting with a guy like Yakim Noah and getting Reggie Jackson, if those guys will have any impact on this team. Um, when they're healthy and they're together, and, I, and I've kind of been a Laker fan my, most of my life, it's hard for me, I mean, to not pull for Paul George because I coached him. But at the end of the day, when the, if the Lakers are all on, I mean, the Clippers are on all cylinders, you know, they're, they're going to be a tough out. I think the Lakers right now seem from the outside to be the most prepared and confident. And of course, a lot of that's because all we're hearing from is LeBron. <laughs> he always, he's always that way anyway. But, uh, yeah, the, the, the Clippers have to be a little concerned about the unknowns, but I think there's enough time for them to kind of resurface and everybody get there. Who knows? I mean, it, Patrick Beverly is a huge piece of that. Obviously, Lou Williams is is a guy that can score from anywhere. They, I mean, those are guys that got to play for them to win an NBA championship, as well as Rell. I mean, he, they need him. So none of these teams can play without key people. Uh, for any extended period of time and think they're going to have a chance to win an NBA championship. But, uh, yeah, right now for the Clippers, it's just, there's a lot of unknowns. Well, Steve, I've checked the forecast. It's going to be somewhere between 103 to 105 degrees in Fresno every single day this week, so I'm really worried about your lawn and your plants. Yeah, no, I got my neighbors checking out. Here's the first thing. I forgot. I am in a new home now, and I have artificial turf. <laughs> so it'll only be my plants and trees I have to worry about. Well, enjoy, so, New- yeah. enjoy Newport. You're in the right part of California in the month of July, that's for sure. I agree, man. Hey, yeah. you guys have a great day, and I look forward to this weekend. Thank you, Steve. Steve Cleveland, our basketball insider, joining us right here on 97.5 at 1280 The Zone. And PK, I know you've had reason to be all over California different times of the year. You know, 72 degrees in Fresno in April is nice, but man, I have been there in the summer and it is just brutal. The air is so still. Just sweating. It's disgusting. Mm. Exactly. You don't want to hear it. You've been in Phoenix at 117. (laughs) It could be worse. But it's a dry heat. It's not a dry heat in Fresno. All right, DJ and PK, it's 97.5 at 1280 The Zone. Everything you missed in this show, from the baseball to the golf to the hoops, it's all coming up next. Stay with us. 
Wow! Basketball is back. The Zone Sports Network is keeping you up on all the latest news with the Utah Jazz in the NBA. This is a back-to-basketball update. Oh, he never looked at the net! Presented by Zions Bank. On 97.5, 1280 The Zone and the Zone Sports Network. The Knicks have reportedly agreed to terms with Tom Thibodeau to make him the franchise's new head coach on a five-year deal. He'll be the Knicks' fifth head coach in the last five years. Pelicans forward Zion Williamson re-entered the NBA bubble of the weekend. He's going through a four-day quarantine which ended just before the game against the Jazz on Thursday night as both teams restart the NBA season in Orlando. Clippers guard Lou Williams quarantined for 10 days after he left the bubble to attend a viewing for a family friend but went to an Atlanta strip club for a short time. Dallas Mavericks forward Kristaps Porzingis and Denver Nuggets forward Paul Millsap each missed playing in their team scrimmages over the weekend for missing their daily tests in the bubble. They were subject to a one-day quarantine. Blazers star Damian Lillard sat out the scrimmage last night with inflammation in his left foot, but head coach Terry Stott said an x-ray was negative and they expect him to be back soon. This back-to-basketball update is brought to you by Zions Bank. On 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. For a bank that understands your business, Science Bank is for you. Welcome back, welcome back, welcome back. It's been a long four months. Welcome back. Oh, Donovan, don't do me like that. But finally, the NBA is back. Back up and hammer. That is filthy, Rudy. Catch every second of every moment of Utah Jazz basketball. As the Jazz resume play from the bubble in Orlando, your exclusive home of the Utah Jazz is right here on 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. If it was up to me, I'd say no. If you can't respect our national anthem, get the hell out of the country. Then that's the way I feel. Of course, I'm old-fashioned, so I'm, I'm only going to say what I feel. I think there's a way that you... You protest and there's a way you don't protest. You don't protest against the flag. You don't protest against this country who's given you the opportunity to make a living playing a sport that you never thought would would happen. So I, I don't want to hear all the crap. You want to try it, try it. You don't, it's okay. He sounds older, but he still sounds like Mike Ditka. Are you surprised by any of that, PK? Because I really don't see how you could be. He really didn't need to say any of that. I think we all already knew it all. Okay, well, I mean, go on the other side then. People, you know what they're going to say. Should they say it? It'd be a quieter world, right? How many people are truly unpredictable? (laughs) If you put it that way, yeah, you got a good point. That was uh, Mike Dicka talking about uh, protesting during anthem, taking a knee and that kind of thing. Uh, so the um, the NFL news, uh, since we're, we're talking about him, the Seahawks, the future is now, baby. Three draft picks, a first-rounder this year, a first-rounder next year. Uh, they also throw in a third-round pick. And they get the Jets' disgruntled defensive back, their all-pro safety, uh, Jamal Adams. So for Seattle... Upgrade the secondary, and you got a 31-year-old quarterback who has already won a Super Bowl and been to two. He can play at a high level. you got to have some of the pieces around him on both sides of the ball. And can the Seahawks follow the Rams and the Niners, who've been to consecutive Super Bowls out of the NFC West? Is it the Seahawks' time to get back? I'm sure it can be. Yeah, why not? Go for it. Pete Carroll isn't getting uh, younger, obviously, so give it your best shot. I'm all for it. 
That was the big NFL trade of the weekend. The, uh, the college football news, Oklahoma's moving their opener to August 29th with Missouri State, presumably so they can bounce it back to September 5th if necessary, if there's some positive tests. ACC's got a meeting Wednesday. Or I guess they got a meeting Tuesday, so we're expecting an announcement uh, Wednesday on what they're doing with the schedule because the one thing that's been consistent through all of this is you need four weeks to get ready for the opener, so it's, it's about time to open camps, PK. Uh, maybe there's a little wiggle room based on which week you're actually going to open the season if you're playing a 10- or 11-game season instead of 12, but it's pretty much go time. You can't kick the can down the road much further. Yeah, absolutely, man. I mean, August is coming up. This is the end of July. We have spent a lot of time talking golf today because Tony Finau had another top 10. He's got 30 in the last three and a half seasons, 30 top 10s without a win. Nobody else has more than 15 top 10s without a win. This probably wasn't as good a chance to win as we saw last week. But the thing is, at some point, even though Jack Nicklaus had 18 major titles and 19 runners-up, you don't win them all. You've been talking about those 10, 8, 10, and 12-foot putts, PK. Sometimes they dive in the hole. And sometimes they just burn the edge or stop two turns of the ball short of going in, which Tony had on the back nine. He shot 69 yesterday, so four rounds in the 60s. He didn't have a terrible round, came up three shots short. It happens. It's just at some point over those 30 tournaments, you think he'd break through and win a couple of them. Yeah, I would agree. If the Seattle Seahawks is the future is now for golf, the future is Tony Fee now. Yak approves of this message. You just got to ha-ha out of him. See what I done there? <laughs> done did. Done did we see done it. did see what you did. Done, right done did. <laughs> Hope he wins. It'd be awesome. A great local story. We talked a lot of jazz this morning. They have played two scrimmages, looked better in the second one than they did in the first one, but everybody's a work in progress. They haven't played in so long. So be watching for them today at 3.30 against the Brooklyn Nets. Up the game a little more. Show us a little more, PK. Uh, to a degree, yeah, but, I mean, show us the most when it starts, when the standings actually count, and then when the playoffs get here. So I'm not going to necessarily sweat a pathetic game, but I don't think they're going to play a pathetic game anyway. I mean, I think it's a practice game. So teams are going to have their moments. Rudy Gobert had his moment in the first quarter of the second game. He was uh, open for a couple of lobs, then he went and got a couple himself, ended up with 11 in the quarter and 21 in the game. So if we learned anything, uh, Rudy Gobert can still dunk and dominate. Thanks for playing. Uh, Yeah, I'm real interested to see what he does going forward because he put himself on notice. I don't have any problem with that. He wants the ball more. All right. I can remember when I was in high school, I used to whine that the coach would never give me the steal sign. You know, give me the steal sign. I can run. I can run. So he so, so finally got, okay, give me the steal sign. Of course, I got thrown out. But, uh. <laughs> you put yourself on notice. <laughs> yeah. And I, I once had a coach tell me that you have to prove to the player that he's going to fail. Yeah, that's an interesting point. That is an interesting point. Because everybody thinks they're better than they are, which is great because you want people, you know, improving, getting better, pushing themselves. So you don't want to take that away, but at the same time, you got to let people know how good they are. Yeah. So you do it in a situation which is a low leverage situation, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, for me, it was in the summer. Yeah. And we're playing summer league. 
And uh, so, and, and obviously I wasn't, I was nothing as an athlete, nor was I fast. Uh, so let them, and I, and I had a youth coach say it, you, especially for the, for the, in the youth situation, you had to let the parents know mm-hmm. that the kid isn't as good as you think. And I once had a, uh, a guy when I was coaching youth baseball, you know, how come you got my son so low in the batting order and, you know, you take him out and whatever. And I said, watch him next time up. Watch and he's a right-handed batter. I said, watch that left foot. I said, before the ball's even released, that left foot is so far out of the batter's box. <laughs> Bailing out <laughs> he's early. Afraid of the ball. Yeah. yeah, he's afraid of the ball. And I said, so just, just watch that. I said, now, I can't help. I can't get him to overcome his fear from the ball. Maybe you can, but the kid just, he's afraid of the ball. He's afraid of getting hit. And so that's not going to lead to success, and that's going to be a problem. And so you let the player, you let the coach, you let the parent, not the coach, but the, the player, the parent, you let them see what the kid is capable of and what he's not capable of. And so Gobert now, by saying this, he wants the ball more. All right, Rudy. All right. There you go, man. Now you got an opportunity. I think this is actually good news for the Jazz because the more Gobert puts himself on notice and the more he thinks that folks don't believe in him, the better off the team is going to be. He, he, that's just who he is. That's what he's been. And that's good. So let him have these opportunities and let's, let's see what he can do because he's got a big contract coming up. You know, what do you do with that? You pay him, and you pay him in a time where the league is changing dramatically around you, and he's not that three-point shooter uh, that you want. You know, I know they, they started the experiment with Tony Bradley. <sighs> not sure about that. Uh, I don't care how many you make in practice. You, you can hit 100 of them in practice. And these are practice games, so you might as well do it now. Yep. But, you know, is that going to work? You know, you, know, you want your big man shooting, or at least one of them being able to shoot from the perimeter, shoot the three. Uh, how is that going to play out? But I'm excited to see what Gobert can do because I think that he's got a motor. He's put himself out there. Now he's got to deliver it, man, because they give you the ball and you fumble it away and you don't score or what have you. That's on you. Well, it's two things. Throwing him a, a lob at the rim is one thing. Giving him post-ups, and I think the Jazz were pretty consistently giving him two post-ups a game before the season stopped, and they were giving it to him, like you say, in the low-risk, low-leverage time early in the first quarter. And then if he didn't score, it just kind of, well, see, that's why we don't give it to you later in the game. So either he's got to get better or, you know, on the kick to be a better teammate and, you know, uh, heal up the wounds of the last few months, whatever they are, uh, just going to Quinn and saying, you know, I have to call those plays for me. I'm not going to complain. You know, every, everyone will notice whether they say anything or not. You know, guy, guy 11 down there isn't going to be popping off, but guy 11 is going to notice. You know, Donovan can say something. Conley and Joe can say something because of their role on the team. But, you know, guys 9, 11, and 13, they, they can't say a whole lot, but they'll notice, you know. So Rudy can change that narrative. Either he gets good enough that he starts scoring on a high percentage of those or he just tells the coach, you, you, don't, have to, you don't have to give those to him anymore. Do whatever you want. Mm-hmm. All right, DJ and PK, it's 97.5 at 1280 The Zone. Uh, we are brought to you in part, as always, by Larry H. Miller, Chrysler, Jeep, Dodge, Ram in Sandy. Find your deals online at lhmdeals.com. When we come back, your feedback on today's show. Stay with us.
And it's all over almost here. Don't go nowhere. Let's go. The Big Show. It's a big deal. With Gordon Monson and Jake Scott. Apparently, there is a bowling alley having a naked bowler night. What a surprise you picked this story. What? Uh, It's unusual. There is one particular item of clothing that everyone must wear. Bowling shoes. Boy, that's one time you don't want to see Harry pick up the 710 split. (laughs) You have a one-track mind. You know that? How do I have a one-track mind? This is an unusual event. What sport would you most prefer to uh, to, 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 to play naked? I'm not participating. (laughs) What about naked axe throwing? (laughs) The Big Show, weekdays from 2 to 7 on 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. Good morning, DJ and PK. I think the NBA has done a masterful job with the bubble, and I think they've done a super professional job, as good as you could hope, for broadcasting those games. Can't wait. Time now for your feedback, and it is brought to you by Audi Salt Lake City. We can pick up a new Audi Q5 SUV for only $3.59 per month. Visit Audi Salt Lake City at 999 South State or AudiSaltLakeCity.com. Question of the morning, what did you think of the Jazz' first two scrimmages? Mac the Dance Dad says attendance is terrible. <laughs> I thought you would think so. <laughs> Uh, DJB at Stonegate for me says it's coming together. Saw progress. Good. Got excited. Right. I like it. Uh, as far as that uh, thing we got uh, about uh, Clark uh, Sent sending in that it's clear that Donovan isn't a star in the league. He's Jamal Crawford, good player you want on your team, but not someone you can build your team around. Rudy's that guy. Uh, Connor says Jamal Crawford has never been an all-star. This argument is stupid. <laughs> Agreed. I know, and we didn't even want to ask Steve Cleveland that when he's talking about Donovan Mitchell, and he says, I literally think Mitchell can break anybody down off the dribble. <laughs> I think there's nobody in the whole league who can stay in front of him. Yeah. Uh, I, don't, uh, I, think, Jamal, I, I don't think I'm going to follow up with the Jamal Crawford question. Jamal Crawford's fine, but Mitchell's better. Bob, any truth to the rumor both Jazz and Pelican Center uh, Derek Favors are interested and reunited? I would think oh, that, I that, that I know. I would think that that only happens if the Jazz uh, see the Mitchell uh, uh, see the Mitchell Gobert thing just completely blow up, and they've got to move Gobert. Could it happen in that situation? Yeah, it could happen in that situation. But other than that, I don't think they have the money to make it happen. Derek Favors is worth too much. Okay, yeah, I mean, that, the, that was the financial considerations in the first place, yeah. Uh, we got a lot of feedback from people. Are the Jazz playing as long as it says Black Lives Matters on the court? I'm not watching, that kind of stuff. Running Man Brand says, there are so many stick in the muds in this thread. It was great to see the guys back on the court. Jazz basketball is back. I'm pumped. Four exclamation points scattered throughout that. I don't let politics ruin my sports. The, the, the league is entitled to do what they want, and if you don't want to participate in that, don't do it, man. If that's going to turn you off, it doesn't, it doesn't turn me off because I'm not sure how much good it's doing. But if that's what they think they need to do, so be it. I'm a sports fan, man. I'm not a politics fan. I hate politics on all sides, every sides. It's, politics ruin my day. 
Dallin says it's fun to see the team play again. I've told myself I'll wait until after the first four seeding games to make a judgment. Four seeds, so that's uh, he's still like two weeks out then. Which yeah, well, you don't have to worry about making a judgment because the judgments will take care of themselves. But I'm evaluating all the time. That's the fun part of it. Second guessing whoever the coach is, the player, this and that. It's it's all supposed to be entertainment. It's supposed to be fun. It's what we do. It's why we're interested in it. At least for me, it is. Uh, last night I saw a picture of a lake. that There used to be a dam and a lake at the mouth of Parley's Creek, at the mouth of Parley's Canyon, where now there's an interstate highway. Of course, they built a couple dams uh, further upstream. And... Uh, one of our listeners, Robert, tweeted at us, my dad would tell us over and over when we were driving back to Heber how he used to fish the stream coming out of Parley's. Who knew? Used to be he a, did, obviously. Used to be a dam down there. Who knew? Well, looks, his looks, dad did. His, his dad did know. Well, he, Fishing at the mouth of Parley's. Yeah. Okay, great. All right, DJ and PK, we are all done. Coming up next, it is Hands and Scotty. We'll see you tomorrow from 6 to 10 on 97.5 and 1280 The Zone.